also sorry that there will be spoilers for this week's movie. Dumb and Dumber. Plus plenty of rapist wit on the plus side. Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect film's most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Ben, and this week's movie is outrageous buddy comedy, Dumb and Dumber. So order yourself the soup du jour, throw some salt over your shoulder, and let's get Diabolical. Welcome. I'm here with three lovable but wholly unemployable losers, otherwise known as the Panel of Peril. Please introduce yourselves and tell us who is your favourite comedy duo. And we'll start with our reigning champion. Hello, it is the Cinemaster here, as known as Adam. And my favourite comedy duo has to be the irresistible pairing of Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, who have reigned supreme all my life i think and still do and i regularly watch them now and quite regularly share with the panel here (laughs) little clips every now and again and just today to tickle my fancy i watched um the trapped in my flat song trapped in my flat with only my memories for company trapped in my flat Hoping, hoping someone, someone will come and rescue, rescue me. <laughs> Does anyone else have Vic and Bob as their uh, as their favorite? Yeah, me, I do. And, yeah, and me. Oh, good choice. <laughs> yeah, Gaz, going to give us something different. Let's see if we've got any backups. I'm Gaz, and my favorite comedy duo is Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson. Ooh, nice. Innumerable shows: Comic Strip, Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, Dangerous Brothers. Uh, Rick Mail presents. They were both on The Young Ones, Bottom. You know, what else can you say? That's a massive body of work. Still holds up well. And of course, they have a film mm. called Guest House Paradiso, which may crop up sooner or later. You never know. Ooh. Oh, right. Ooh, a bit of foreshadowing there. Mm. Did we see that in the cinema? Yes. I don't think I did. I did. <laughs> Instead of seeing The Sixth Sense. I know we saw it when it came out. Yeah. I definitely saw it at the cinema, but I can't remember if it was with you or not. Yeah, yeah I think it was, mate. I know it, we were all very into bottom at the time, and I had all the bottom live VHS tapes. Gusty mm. old wind flap. My, how we laughed. <laughs> Her Majesty's <laughs> Fudge. Swimming through it, doing the breaststroke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Craig here. As we've already had my pick, Reeves and Mortimer, I'll say another comedy double act which is a fairly recent comedy double act that i love who also have a film together and quite often deny that they're a comedy double act it would be steve coogan and rob bryden oh that's that my bloody list mm-hmm. as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's something about them together yeah they elevate each other um, yes and i know that steve coogan likes to pretend that he doesn't like rob bryden or maybe he doesn't but yeah they, they work great together 
the one thing I like to say about Bryden and Coogan is essentially it's comedy ping pong. They bounce <laughs> off each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to call it comedy table tennis because uh, they bounce <laughs> off each other. It's more like comedy wall for me. Why, why is that? Don't you remember playing wall when you're a kid, kicking the ball off the wall? Yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's, yeah. that's not sophisticated that's... enough. I'd say it's more like comedy <laughs> squash. Okay. <laughs> I like to think of uh, Rick Bell and Aid Edmondson as uh, comedy hungry hippos. <laughs> <laughs> Both trying to gobble up all the gags. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's left on my list? Okay, <laughs> just say Reeves and Mortimer. Well, like, Reeves and Mortimer were top, but then it was Coogan Bryden. But I also listed Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy because I, I love them yeah. a lot as well. Mm. The TV show they did together, Shit's Creek, is really good. It's great. Yeah. I can get into it. Oh, really? Oh, I, I really liked it. Yeah. Cut all that. Later, we'll be competing to see who can come up with this week's most diabolical scheme and earn elusive peril points for the Season 4 leaderboard. But first, let's take a closer look at this week's movie. Released December 16th, 1994, Dumb and Dumber was the film that introduced the Farrelly brothers to the world. While Peter Farrelly is credited as the sole director, both brothers developed the script alongside Bennett Yellen, the three of them having been brought in by the legendary John Hughes, who first conceived the idea for the film, but handed over the rights following the collapse of several studio deals, on the condition they take his name from the project. The film follows Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dunn, two down-on-their-luck friends played by Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, who set out on a cross-country road trip to return a briefcase to its rightful owner. Unbeknownst to them, the case is full of ransom money, it was meant for a high-class crook and his two goons, who naturally will stop at nothing to get it back. It's a film chock-full of endlessly quotable dialogue and far-out comedy that has me a whooping and a hollering like a Rhode Island slut every time I watch it. But does our panel agree? Gaz, as it approaches its 30th birthday, does Dumb and Dumber sing like a mockingbird, or does it fall as flat as a rare owl struck by a champagne cork? It sings like a mockingbird. I laughed consistently the entire way through the film. I, I texted uh, the group chat saying I had a, a weird extended cut. Mm. Yeah, I saw the same uh, one. With lots of bizarre sequences that were rightly excised. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but besides that, yeah, just just brilliant. Kerry is on fire. It's got to be his best <laughs> performance for just one-liners. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of lines in favourite lines, I think. Um <laughs> Facially, he's just gold. Jeff Daniels rises to the occasion, kind of tanked his career by all accounts by by going so far uh, into the dumb comedy mm. <laughs> for a while there. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It still looks great as well, considering mm. what I read at the time was that the Farrelly brothers basically didn't know how to direct and they, they left a lot of the choices to the DP. Right. But it, to me, it looks great. You'd never know that they were unsure of the craft of of directing. A lot of great needle drops too in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I don't think that's as unusual as we would think. That the cinematographer makes a lot of choices about framing, and I think he's just mm. not spoken about that much. 
but especially with first-time directors, the studios tend to mandate that, and you'll get young directors paired with an older, more experienced cinematographer quite frequently. I don't think there's any shame in that. The anecdotal thing that I read was that Jeff Daniels could be seen raising his eyebrow quite often at the style of directing being done on set <laughs> as the, uh, I guess, the, the film veteran. Yeah. Quite what that was in relation to, I don't know, but there's some correlation there. <laughs> Great. Cinemaster, what do you think? Yes, I very much enjoyed this rewatch. First time for a while. It always sticks in my head as like the first proper laugh out loud gross out comedy from the 90s that I remember. And it it's stayed funny for years. It's still funny now. And I'm sure we're going to get into it. I, yeah, I, I'd echo what Gaz said. I think it still looks really good. You can tell it's of a certain time, but that doesn't detract from it. I don't think, I think that all the jokes hold up pretty well. Jim Carrey, I think there's some bits in it where he's doing serious acting, Mm. but playing it for laughs as well, Mm. particularly where they're in the flat and he's monologuing about having... Yeah, sick and tired of being a nobody. Yeah. Sick and tired of having having no one. That's very well delivered. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's the you're foreshadowing for his later career. It's yeah. like you can see the chops he's got right there, the support that uh, Jeff Daniels brings, as well as this reliable. He's not a sideman because they're both equal partners in it. They both get some brilliant lines and some fantastic visual comedy as well. I'll I'll leave it at that until we get stuck into sequences and lines, which I'm sure are going to collide a plenty. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, I'd go a step further than that and say that for me. Jeff Daniels is the hero of this. Not really known for comedy before. I think that he is an absolutely brilliant comic actor. He obviously, as you say, is the more experienced, but he just brings so much to this. I think his performance is, is hilarious. And my favourite moment is is one of his, which I'm sure you probably already know what it is anyway, because I talk about <laughs> it a lot. There was a time around when it came out, and for a few years later when I would have said this was the funniest film, mm. in my opinion, of all don't think it's aged quite as well as stuff like Airplane uh, or Spinal Tap. You know, that there are better comedy yeah. films, but yeah. this is still hilariously funny. It's definitely up there. The soundtrack's still ringing in my ears right now. The Farrelly Brothers did this a lot with their films, but that one in particular had such a zeitgeisty, you know, if you were into rock and indie stuff in the 90s, you were in for a treat. Yeah. Boom Shakalaka is my favourite uh, needle drop. Yeah, Boom Shakalaka. What an opening, yeah. I'd been <laughs> singing it for several days beforehand to make Izzy laugh. And then she happened to watch the start of this film with me. And I went, oh my God, when it came on. <laughs> I forgot this was in the opening credits. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I'd agree that it still looks really good. I guess this is down to the, the director of photography, as you say, but some of the shots in it are really good. like. When Harry's on the toilet and you get that kind of dolly into him, it's quite a classic move. That and production design wise, the muck cut to van is is incredible. <laughs> so yeah, it's got a lot going for it. This film, mm. and it's kind of a film of two halves. You get this sort of grimy, gross out road comedy for the first half of it, and then once they open the case and get the money, and their setting changes, kind mm. of the film changes as well. The whole mm-hmm. feel of it, it feels like a different film in that part. Mm. but not in a jarring way. It's really well handled. Mm. It gets a very good out of five from me. Oh, good. (laughs) They've used the budget well, I think, Mm. because it still looks so great all these years later. But the whole budget was about 17 million, 
And I read that yeah. seven million of that went on Jim Carrey. Mm. <laughs> Money well spent. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it means they've put the film together on on a hell of a tight budget. I yeah, think tight budget. Which yeah. is, it looks it yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, yeah. you get a couple of great things right away with Jim Carrey. Him agreeing to have that haircut. <laughs> Although you know, I remember seeing him in behind the scenes shots, and he just pushed the front up, and he looked kind of cool. But with the pumpkin pie, fucking hell. And his um, taking his cap off to reveal his yeah. broken tooth, just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So this is definitely one of my favourite comedies of all time. Like you say, there are things like the Christopher Guest stuff, Spinal Tap, Best in Show, yeah. which are, are, are also up there. And I, I would hate to try and choose one favourite, so I won't. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely it's definitely up there with in a good company. Yeah. All right, before I ask you for your highlights and favorite lines, we're going to play a little game I'm calling Triv and Trivia. <laughs> I'm going to read you some notable facts about Dumb and Dumber, but I'm also going to throw in some wretched lies. If you think it's true, say, I like it a lot. <laughs> if you think it's bogus, say, more like one in a million. <laughs> nice. The original concept for the movie, conceived by John Hughes, involved two dumb guys running around a ski resort in Colorado. I like it a lot. I like, I like it, a, it lot. a lot. Very good, that is true. But the Rhode Island setting would have been Illinois, if Hughes had been at the helm, apparently. Hmm. Next one. Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy were the Farrelly's original choices for Lloyd and Harry. More like one, More in, like a one in a million. I'm going to say I like it a lot. I think it's got half a ring of truth in it, but you may have, one of them might be false. I think Bill Murray for sure, but I'm going to say I like it a lot. It's false. In fact, Gary Oldman and Nicolas Cage were the original choices. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Gary Oldman, I guess, because of Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead. That kind of makes sense. Jesus Christ. Or Leon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, suppository scene. (laughs) (laughs) Other names considered were Steve Martin, Martin Short, Chris Elliott, and Rob Lowe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the final bit of triv. The movie's Japanese title translates as Jim Carrey is Mr. Dummer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like it a lot. I I like like it a lot. lot. That is true, indeed. Hey. And I've never understood why. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Mr. Dummer. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our favourite moments. Craig, would you like to start us off? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I could have told you my favourite moment in... What year did it come out? 94. My favourite moment has been consistent from the first time I saw it. And <laughs> it's when Mary very playfully shoves a bit of snow... Onto Harry, and then he bangs <laughs> her in the face with the snowball. Just fucking nails her with it. He's like, yeah, just fucking nailed yeah. it. His expression on his face, and what you can do about it. <laughs> and then, but yeah, that whole sequence, the Harry's date with Mary is just brilliant from start to finish, getting his mm. tongue stuck on the ski lift. But especially yeah. that moment cracks me up every time. Even the line when he gets his tongue stuck on the ski lift. Hey, kids, you wouldn't happen to have a cup of warm yeah. water, would you? It's really funny. <laughs> right, Cinemaster. Well, it's 
I'd, I'd say it's the one that still makes me laugh. And I know I, you can, it's coming from a mile off and I still start chuckling straight away. It's when they get pulled over by the um, state trooper on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> if there's one line that everybody knows, it's the grandpa's cough medicine line, right? You yeah. Hear that from people all the time. <laughs> but it's just his reaction to drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> I was pissing myself again watching it. Yeah, he was the guy when we when we did the something about Mary. He's the eight minute abs guy, isn't he? That's it, hitchhiker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, seven minute abs. Seen him in anything else apart from these two films? No, but you get oh, actors yeah. like that in Farrelly movies, don't you? Like the uh, yeah, the bartender Lloyd's complaining to about Mary not showing up for the date. He's one of the cops who pulls Ted exactly, over. Exactly. Yeah. In Mary. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. sure he's in um, yeah. Me, Myself, and Irene as well. Okay. All right, Gaz. Share your favourite moment. Well, mine is Lloyd's imagined life with Mary. So he imagines himself <laughs> walking up to her front door and then she lights up upon seeing him and there's doves flying behind her. One gets stuck and then he, he lifts her up and twirls her around, cops a sneaky look at her ass. Then yeah. they're in a restaurant and uh, the presumably snooty French waiter starts kissing Mary's arms. So he, he beats yeah. him up in a kung fu yeah. fight and then the chef comes out and he rips his heart out like Kano in Mortal Kombat. Puts it in a doggy bag. Yeah. <laughs> and hands it to him. Yeah, that's the coup de gras in it. Then they're in a ski lodge and his sort of witty repartee is to light his own fart on fire, which everybody thinks is charming and hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. A constant barrage. And the bit... When he's snugging her as well, he's got his whole mouth over her face. And he's yeah. like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't it got like the suction noise when they uh, when they part as well? Like, pop. <laughs> <laughs> must have been such a weird scene to film that, mustn't it? Where he just said, I'm just going to clamp my mouth over you. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether him and um, Lauren Holly were dating at that time. Yeah. Or not. Well, um, they definitely him, did. I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah. Time, but they, they, got, they, yeah. Were, they were married, weren't they? I bet. Is that right? Yeah. So I don't know whether that was uh, what won her over. Yeah. I thought, well, the guy knows either kiss. Yeah. <laughs> You've charmed me. Well, my favourite part by far is the bit where Lloyd takes Mary back to the room to give her the briefcase, and he's rehearsing what he's going to say, <laughs> and then it, and then it comes out as I desperately <laughs> want to make love to a schoolboy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's it's perfect because in this rehearsal, you see everything he wants to say, and then you see how it comes out, and it's just a mm. it's a classic uh, technique, really well executed. Yeah. All right. Any favorite lines, Craig? Yeah, it's a real quick one, and it's uh, in context. It's hilarious. Did you pay the gas bill? He'd <laughs> 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 show up at their door and he just thinks that's what's happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've got a gun. Did you pay the gas bill? <laughs> How do they know I got gas? <laughs> Cinemaster. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> well, Petey was pretty old. Gaz? Well, if I have to pick one, then I'm going to go with... It's at the second gas station they stop at at night, and 
coming out and there's a couple of black guys with big drinks and he just comes past them and he goes, big gulps, huh? <laughs> All right. And just carries on walking. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most brilliant attempt at like small talk and <laughs> trying yeah. to make a connection and just not having the facility to be able to, to do it yeah. in, a, in a coherent way. Very, very good. But there's no shame in it for him. He's, he's perfectly happy with how it went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think Jim Carrey brings to this is in, in lesser hands, that character could just come out as annoying. Right. But he's really endearing. Yeah. yeah. So you, you're really rooting for him all the way through. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Daniels too. They're both yeah. really, yeah. they're likable, aren't they? Even when they're hurting each other. Yeah. <laughs> no malice in them. Exactly. Mm. They play yeah. it straight so often though and so deadpan. And then yeah. particularly Jeff Daniels as well. He he goes from like saying something completely deadpan to cracking up. Yeah. So this is probably the one I use in my daily life most, which is after Lloyd is sent out to get the essentials with the last of their money and he comes back with nothing. <laughs> he goes, Where's the booze, Lloyd? I got robbed by a little old lady on a motorized cart. And I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> I would have thought the one you use most in real life is uh, I'm going to hang by the bar, put out the vibe. I have used that one quite a bit as well. <laughs> Goodbye, my love. <laughs> God, I've used that one a lot as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a period in the 90s where I'd watched this weekly. So, Oh, yeah. 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 I, when I had the VHS, I absolutely wore it out. But yeah. we just didn't have the extended stuff on it. I saw that later on. I've seen two extended versions. Some of the extended stuff is just bizarre, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, Seabass, not a good actor. No. All his extra lines were not in the first extended version I saw. So they've extended it even more. He's um, a hockey player, isn't he? Oh, yeah, is he? Yeah. They do like to cast non-professional actors, don't they, in a lot of their stuff. So he, he's like a bit of a, a hockey hero for the Farrelly Brothers' favourite okay, uh, hockey team. So they've got him Wayne Grixky or whatever his name is. Not him, is No, it? it's Cam, uh, Cam Neely, Wayne his name Gritsky. is. Okay, he, right, he yeah. played for the Boston Bruins, which is the, the Farrelly Brothers are from the North East, so they're Bruins fans, apparently. Mm. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, they, they got him in because they wanted to meet him, obviously. <laughs> I think they put him in something else. It might have been, I was going to say, come on Eileen, but that's not right. <laughs> Me, myself and Irene. That's the one. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> He's on, he was in Dexy in the Midnight Runners. <laughs> Another scene that I really love, and the actor who's in it, I love seeing him and stuff, is Fred Staller, who's the guy hanging outside the phone booth waiting for Joe Mental to finish his call. <laughs> yeah. He's absolutely fantastic. That punch is brilliant, too. Yeah. Straight through yeah, the glass. It looks, it looks yeah. nasty. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, proper yeah. right on the nose. Yeah, yeah. I imagine he's dead, that man. Oh yeah, <laughs> from yeah. The he hits speed his head on the floor. He he's, the he's, fucked. he's dead. Yeah, yeah. It's weird as well because Mike Starr, who plays Joe Mental, do you remember me always talking about Ed, the kind of dramedy with the bowling alley lawyer that I really loved. Mm. That was like a yeah. sweet hometown thing, and he was like this really sweet guy in that, and seeing him. Killing people in Dumb and Dumber couldn't be more different. He's in uh, Miller's Crossing as well, isn't he? But I oh, think yeah. He's... yeah. And yeah. Goodfellas. Of he's course. like a bit of a, a babyish, uh, nice guy gangster, isn't he? Gets pushed mm. around by um... Albert Finney. Yeah. Yeah. Albert Finney. Yeah. All right. Before we move on, what were your thoughts on the ending? It's a bit bittersweet, isn't it? Yeah. I would have liked to have seen them got on the bus 
Yeah. Personally. And I would like to see the, you know, the oiling up of the, the women. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> the oiling up like... of the Hey Holly Hooper. <laughs> I just put it out there. Okay. So at the end, the plan was to shoot two versions, one where they get on the bus and one where they didn't. But Jim Carrey really despised the idea of them getting on the bus. Mm. And so okay, he refused right, yeah. to shoot that version of the ending. I would have said, look, Kerry, I'm giving you seven million coonies here. His comedy instinct's right. It's a funny ending, but... Mm-hmm. It, it's a bit of a gut than... punch. It's like, oh, God, you just want... After all that, you want something for One them. One win. Yeah. Yeah. Win. yeah. yeah. But they're still optimistic, aren't they? They're not sort of trudging off... That's true. ...like Charlie Brown or anything like that. They're just yeah. Like, uh... This yeah. time next year we'll be millionaires like Delboy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to compare them to lots of other things. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about if, if you had seen them get on that bus, I just think it would have been tonally uh, a bit off Yeah, to have yeah. that kind of neat little happy bow of an ending. Would have been a bit creepy. Yeah. A film like this, I think, benefits from having a final punchline like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. if you're just sending them off into the sunset quite happy, it just doesn't sit quite right to me. Much the same as they started, don't they, pretty much? Yeah. 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 All right, a couple of personal questions for you, fellas. Cinemaster, what's the loudest mm. clothing you've worn to a formal event? Hmm. <laughs> I've worn um, a pink shirt and a pink tie, I think, to a couple of weddings, and they were quite bright pink. I'd say that's about it. Oh. But... Nothing, nothing louder than that. Salmon pink? Oh uh, no, getting more neon. Neon pink. Wow. Yeah, N- closer nice. to neon pink than salmon. Yeah, for sure. Very nice. I like a bit. Mm-hmm. Pink. Craig, have you ever wiped your eyes or blown your nose with banknotes? Um. <laughs> yeah, got to. <laughs> I've put again. blow in my nose with a banknote. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. Yes. <laughs> What's the longest sausage you've fed to a dog? <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know, there's always a foot long to hand, isn't there? Ooh, <laughs> is that a joke about a penis? Uh, it might be. Oh. And also about the film. Foot long. Uh, who's got the who's foot got long? The foot long? Mm-hmm. I wonder if a Cumberland ring is longer than a foot if you uncoil it. That's good. That's something for you to do. Find that out. Mm-hmm. Do you call your foot long, Gaz? <laughs> uh, it depends how tight my shorts are. <laughs> Nicholas Andre is a wealthy, intelligent, and ruthless criminal. A supposed family friend, he kidnaps Mary's husband and demands a hefty ransom. After carefully orchestrating the pickup, he sends out two hired goons to fetch him the spoils. But all does not go smoothly. Gaz, what did you think of Andre's plan to make sweet, sweet bank? Um, it's okay. It, it doesn't seem as though anybody suspects him. But... You don't really find out much information about it, do you? Like, you don't know where he's been kept, Mary's husband, or anything like that. What they're doing to him. You pretty much just know that he's asking for a ransom and that he's got these two two goons to help him. Or who Andre is and why he needs money. Yeah, Mm. because he seems, like, fairly well off from the the wildlife Mm -hmm. snow owl benefit that he's running. 
Right. So, yeah, I mean, just a slightly confusing plan more than anything, I would say. Just needs a bit more fleshing out. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's the Swanson's Wildlife Association, isn't it? And he seems to run part of it on their behalf. But yeah, it's n- it's never really alluded to his exact relationship with the family. Mm-hmm. But they oh, seem yeah. to trust him, don't they? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Craig, what did you think? Yeah, so I, I, I would agree that side of it. I think he pulls off really well. He's clearly won their trust and put himself in a good position there. And I think John Mental and Shay, on the face of it, seem like good goons. They they do fairly well. They just, through a series of unfortunate events, Joe gets killed off there. But what's really the hole in the plan for me is the, the case switch. Why would you leave a case unattended in the middle of an airport? It's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. What everyone mm-hmm. else does in every other situation like that is they they put it in a locker, don't they? Or they sit next to somebody with the same case as them, and then they both pick up All the, that, the opposite yeah. case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or they go into the changing rooms and uh, they give some of the money to Bridget Fonda, and then they do the switch. <laughs> or, they, or they stick it in a bin, and then like a garbage truck comes and picks it up, and then tips it into the thing. Oh, we got. Or the there's money. a hole under the bin into the sewers yes, underneath, yes. and they escape. Yeah. 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 Anything but what they did. Yeah, one, you never know. One of those uh, things might uh, pop up in somebody's plan. Mm. In a post nine eleven world, you would never do this plan. Oh yeah, <laughs> briefcase. <laughs> a, oh Christ! You get your head kicked in straight away. <laughs> yeah, unattended luggage. <laughs> you be getting a, and then they put a three. dome on it and blow it up. Controlled yeah. explosion. Yeah. Cinemaster. Yes, echoing the thoughts of Gaz and Craig there. Seems like a pretty good plan. And then obviously the fly in the ointment is, well, a couple of flies in the ointment, a couple of idiots, don't know what they've got. Um, But then he doesn't seem to expand his plan any further than just using the two guns he initially hired to pick it up. So yeah, he's uh, rather lazy in that approach, I think. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's strange. They have this, this idea that Harry Lloyd professionals, which stops them, executing the plan as, as perhaps they would initially. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd have to agree with you all. I think he, he executes mm-hmm. the first part well, but he just doesn't deal with the change that comes with Harry and Lloyd. So I'm mm-hmm. going to give him seven florets of broccoli. Mm-hmm. So this is the part of the show where we compete to see who could come up with the best evil scheme to earn endangered peril points for the Diabolical Leaderboard. We'll each share an alternative plan and vote for our favourite at the end. Andre and his goons kidnap a family friend in the hopes of getting a big payday, but they are ultimately foiled by Lloyd and Harry, along with the FBI. Cinemaster. What would you have done differently? Well, you're going to find out. Right about... Now, how much money was in that Samsonite case? $1 million? $5 million? There's a fair bit if Harry and Lloyd can write a $275,000 IOU for a Lamborghini. Oh, lordy. Andre decides whatever the ransom is, this kind of money doesn't come along every day. And in 1994, this is some serious wedge. He's motivated, he's happening, i.e. he wants something. Am I right? 
not wrong. With his Rhode Island goons tailing the mystery pair west, Andre decides to spare no expense and sends out some other goons that he hires in Aspen, heading east towards them. He tells Joe and J.P. Shea, Rhode Island goons, to hold off confrontation and to continue tracking them while his other goons race to meet them. It's a classic pincer movement. As the teams call in each day, Andre acts as a control centre, plotting their movements and directing his henchmen and women to converge. As the final destination of Aspen becomes apparent, he plots an ambush. Harry and Lloyd, having suffered none of their previous mishaps, continue in their dog-themed van, unaware they are being hunted. As they stop at another truck stop and have a meal, the Rhode Island goons hotwire the dog van and pay an unsuspecting truck stop hobo to drive it away. This gives the Aspen goons time to zero in on their location and also handily throws the following feds off the scent. As Team Aspen arrives and joins forces with Rhode Island, it's obvious that Harry and Lloyd are clearly not the threat they first thought they were as they are down in the dumps and arguing with each other on how they are going to get the rest of the way there. Team Aspen goons, posing as helpful Samaritans, offer Harry and Lloyd a lift in their van as they are heading to Aspen themselves. Grateful for the offer, Harry and Lloyd jump in, none the wiser. With the two idiots in the back of their van and with the Rhode Island goons acting as tail cover, they deliver Harry and Lloyd to Andre, a pre-arranged location to meet their fate in whatever fashion he chooses and for him to finally get his grubby little mitts on the money. All right. Any questions for the Cinemaster? So you said Harry and Lloyd do not suffer their previous mishaps. Mm -hmm. Why? Just because they just don't in yours. Because, um, yeah, they they don't have, they don't meet up with um, Joe. He doesn't like do the fake uh, flagging them down and stuff like that. So they just carry on. There's none of the stress and stuff like that. So it's a different reality branches off. So the bit where they drive the wrong way, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Okay. I won't tell you how many marks I'm taking off you for that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that might come up. (laughs) Where did Andre get the additional goons? Aspen. Whereabouts? The goon shop. Okay. There's a specific (laughs) shop for that. There's there's a shop, yeah. You go there and they've got these uh, like vacuum packed goons in the the window and you just go, I want that one, I want that one. And they just let them out. Okay. Just they just All slice right. them open. Just, <gasps> oh, yes, sir. How can he you know, afford I... more goons? Isn't he desperate for money? Desperate enough well, to kidnap a man. He promises them a slice of their pie. So that's fair enough. That's a good answer. It didn't seem logical for me for there to be so much money in that case, and for them to just go, let's just have two people chasing these fuckers, even though they're supposed mm. to be a threat. You would you would up the ante, wouldn't you? Yeah. But he doesn't, and I thought, well, I'll get him to up the ante. Mm, mm. That's such such a good idea. I might have had the same idea. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Goons on spec is what I'll call this idea. Goons on spec. Goons on spec. The only issue, yeah, is, is that he's take, taking a bit of a risk, isn't he? Mm-hmm. By letting more people in on the plan. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. But he can tell, yeah, he doesn't have to tell him what's in the case or anything like that. He can tell him whatever he wants, essentially. He can just say he's. Get those fuckers to me with that case, and then you'll get your, you know, you get your reward or whatever he wants to give him. So you're telling these goons, 
I want you to get these guys to me and I'll give you a slice of some money that I'm getting when we get them. Mm-hmm. Don't look in the briefcase. That's not where the money is, if that's what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. The briefcase is just nothing. That's just some documents yeah. of mine. But the, the other two goons from Rhode Island could have done that at any point, though, but they don't, do they? I feel like he knows them. Like, does he know Shay? Because he seems to have feels like, like really... it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. He's a bit of a dodgy fucker, isn't he? So he's bound to have sure contacts. So, yeah. You know, that's, he's, that's... He's, he's slimy. Yeah. It's weird that he knows them, really, isn't it? So yeah. He could know more. He might be yeah. a goon himself. He might have might mm-hmm. be in it. He might graduate from goon school. Yeah. Like I say, his, his, his whole yeah. background, backstory, and stuff is so shady that you could really. Yeah, we don't know it, do we? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anything from you, Gaz? No. Right. I'm shaking my <laughs> head. No. Gaz has got the same plan, so we should, we should hear how similar it is. I'm yep. cursing. I think we should have a breakwater of somebody else's plan first, and then Gaz's plan. Well, I think plan. it's better, better to compare them side by yeah. side. Come on, Gaz. It's no, it's like, it's, it's like mixing the beans and the eggs, though. You need a sausage breakwater <laughs> of another plan. I've never subscribed to that theory. Mix it all in. I don't mind the mixing, but I want it to be my choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Okay, well, my plan, uh, I know uh, Ben makes fun of me when I explain things before I begin, but my plan to explain (laughs) is written entirely in dialogue, and there's no Harry said or Lloyd said after each, and I'm doing the same voice for both characters, so you're just going to have to decide who's speaking when. (laughs) This is going to go well. Mm, mm. Hi everyone, I'm Dumb, and I'm Dumber, and we're here to share with you how one clever dick got his hands on a big bag of ransom money. Well now, Dumb, we should let the good listeners at home know that we're speaking from heaven, as we were killed by that same clever dick. (laughs) Hang on, I thought you were dumb. I thought you were dumb. No, I'm Dumber. Let's just agree to disagree, can we? Okay, it's a deal. So let's dig in. <laughs> so let's dig into how and why we are now dead. Yes, dumb or dumber, we're dead because the guy wanted his money back. <laughs> we're dead because the guy wanted his money back that I accidentally picked up at that airport, thinking it belonged to Mary. That's one hundred percent what happened. Yes, naturally, we ventured across the country all the way to Aspen to return it. Yes, and there were many madcap moments we can both tell you. Yes, but the main thrust of it is that we decided to borrow a few bits of the dough here and there, just for a few necessities, including, in hindsight, some rather garish suits for a fancy soiree. A fancy soiree? You heard correctly. And it was there that the main baddie man discovered that we were the ones who had taken the money, the money that he wanted for owls or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what did he do? <laughs> Stand back slack-jawed and impotent? No, sir. No, he made a quick phone call to Joe Crazolino and Joe Gargolino, <laughs> Joe Mentolino's brothers, who were waiting for us outside the fancy soirees venue. Ah. They bundled us into the back of a car, didn't they, dumb old dumber? They did. They did. <laughs> Go on. To cut a long story short, after many punches to the faces, stomachs, groins and knees, we told them where the briefcase (laughs) was, and upon seeing that it was filled with IOUs, they simply set us on fire. 
Sure did. A spectacular <laughs> end to a spectacularly silly life. Well, we are dumb and dumber after all. <laughs> Marvellous. Uh, um what what was the what was the brief this week? <laughs> Andre <laughs> to get the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear. They got the IOUs though, and those are as good as <laughs> they money. Got the IOUs. <laughs> <laughs> what from a couple of dead blokes? <laughs> Whoops. I'm a creature of instinct. Once I get the idea, I'll be damned if I'm thinking of another one. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing that was interesting to me during that, Gaz, is that Joe Mental's brothers were also called Joe, but their family names were different. (laughs) Yeah, Joe is the family name. (laughs) Right, okay. But it's said first. Yeah. Joe Crazolino and Joe... Gargolino, I think was the yeah. other one. <laughs> yeah. I toyed with the idea of a, a Wackolino, but I thought, no, that's 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 too far. Rain it in. That's a bit. too far. Oh, fetched. you mean yeah, yeah. Gargolino like Gargar. I thought mm. you meant Gargolino like. Yeah. Yeah. That's no. what I thought as well. <laughs> Either works. Yes, 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 yes. Any more questions for uh, Gaz's yeah. plan? <laughs> because the thing I was thinking is at that party the owl benefit he's fucking got them and he literally just does nothing yeah it's so fucking stupid (laughs) if you think about it the fact that they get away with killing the owls a bit odd as well like nobody (laughs) stops them from leaving yeah (laughs) isn't he the one arguing that they're still like hitmen or something as well yeah Mm. he sent us a message we killed their bird they killed ours yeah it's just like (laughs) oh well it's a comedy in (laughs) it Maybe the Dumb and Dumber doesn't apply to Lloyd and Harry at all. Yeah, but it does in Japan because Jim Carrey is well, Mr. Yeah. Dumber. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, if there are no further questions for Gaz, we'll move on to Craig's plan. Okay. What the hell is this? asks Andre as the contents of the briefcase fall through his fingers like terrible confetti. Where's my money? That's as good as money, Lloyd tells him reassuringly. Those are IOUs. Andre cocks his gun and takes aim. He's lost everything and he's got nothing to lose. (laughs) Unless... When the FBI burst into the presidential suite at the Danbury Hotel, they find the room empty, the fire escape door ajar, the red velvet curtain fluttering in the breeze. Several weeks later, now living under an assumed name, Lloyd Christmas, a.k.a. Lloyd Hanukkah, is Aspen's premier limo driver, shuttling stars to and from the slopes. Meanwhile, Harry Dunn, a.k.a. Harry Doing, runs the world's (laughs) most exclusive dog grooming salon, regularly trimming the hair of celebrity pets, including George Clooney's pig, with treatment starting from (laughs) $4,000. On the front desk of Aspen's most popular pet store, I Got Worms, Mary Samsonite serves top stars like Gary Sinise and Seth Green, who both own large wormeries, while in the back room, Andre counts up the enormous steady income, weighing up all the receipts against his huge pile of IOUs. Everyone works hard and stays in line, thanks to the looming threat of Shay, and the IOUs are reconciled in no time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Would the FBI just stop looking for them? Well, they've, they're living under assumed names, so... <laughs> Cunning assumed names. But still in Aspen. Yeah, they probably are still looking for him, but they're quite inept, aren't they? Mm. They're looking for a, a dog throughout the film, and it takes them however long to not find it. You know, <laughs> terrible <Yeah>. FBI agents. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's happening? Is Andre leading this double life now? He's disappeared from social life. His his life as part of the owl benefit stuff, that's all over. He's just <laughs> laying low. He just sits in the back room of I Got Worms. Mary's on the front desk. She's probably had her hair dyed or whatever. And between the income from the pet store, grooming salon, and the limo service, because everybody who uses it, they're like rich people, Aspen people. They make money hand over fist. <laughs> Never occurred to him to make money legitimately until he got all those IOUs from those guys and realised, oh my god, these guys have got some transferable skills here. Let's set them up in business and uh, watch the money roll in. So Mary's not bothered about her husband being kidnapped during this this time? It's the looming threat of Shay. Mary goes along with it because her life's in danger. I see. Not a lot she can do. All right. They've both previously lost their jobs, though, as, as limo driver and canine haircut or whatever you call it. That is true, but, the, you know... There were problems that they can overcome there. Okay. Lloyd's problem was he lost his job because he crashed his limo. Mm-hmm. But now he gets to see Mary all the time. It's not a factor for him. And, and as far as Harry, his grooming business was mobile then, and it's not anymore. It's a fixed place now, so he's not getting mustard all over get the dogs. Can't get mustard and, yeah, and hot dogs over him. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's a fair enough. All right. Well, if there are no more questions, we shall move on to mine. And in a similar way to... Gareth, I would like to preface mine by saying you may recall that in an earlier episode, (laughs) I came up with a plan during a fever dream following a COVID vaccine. Well, this week I was lucky enough to have (laughs) full-blown COVID and have once again concocted my plan at an average bodily temperature of 39.6 degrees centigrade. Shit. That's about 103 for our peril pals with imperial entanglements. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And while this may cost me peril points, I've decided to present my plan exactly as it <laughs> appeared to me. So here goes. <laughs> Following the dead owl benefit, Andre and Shay, his one remaining goon, sit in a windowless grey room. He tells her that the only way to get the money back is to take out Lloyd and Harry one by one. Shay nods and gets up to leave. Don't forget to wear a disguise, Andre says as she crosses the room. Shay appears outside the Aspen branch of Clown Around. Its weathered facade looks for all the world like the one that adorned the original branch in Colwyn Bay in the 90s. (laughs) The only difference is that the word Aspen features prominently in the spiky comic book bubble. She steps inside and comes out moments later dressed as a budgie, or a parakeet, I guess. <laughs> Think Japanese Yurukara style. She then searches for Harry and finds him with his tongue stuck to the ski lift. She sits next to him. As they near the top of the mountain, she dumps some rat poison under his tongue. In moments, Harry Dunn becomes Harry Dunn for. <laughs> After asking around town a bit, Shay, still dressed as a giant budgie, finds her way to the hotel where Lloyd is waiting for Mary. She sits next to him at the bar and lifts a wing to reveal a large knife, which he prods into his side. (laughs) She then demands to go to his room. Once she has the briefcase, she stabs Lloyd up until he expires before returning to Andre. (laughs) 
Upon discovering the IOUs, Andre sends the case back to the Swansons, along with Lloyd's severed head, and ups the ransom <laughs> for the inconvenience. With Lloyd and Harry out of the way, the second pickup goes off without a hitch. <laughs> without a hitch. <laughs> that was like, just like flashes of fever dream flying to me. I was, was going to say, that's the, cl- the clown round is pure fever dream there for sure you have life flashing before your eyes kind of thing isn't it <laughs> yeah did we use to buy fart gas from clown around and stuff yeah. like that we for, for pair of pals around the world clown around was a very small decrepit joke shop in the town we grew up in yeah but much much loved much loved yeah yeah i was thinking about it at the start of the episode when you asked turner what's the loudest thing he's ever worn to a formal occasion and i was just thinking about that pink rabbit costume that i hired from there for uh yeah a night out. <laughs> So Mary, she just delivers a second ransom, yeah? Yeah, she really wants her husband back. <laughs> Any reason why she doesn't do that in the film? Because <laughs> they don't ask her for it. <laughs> just, <laughs> just all hinges on this uh, second deal that you just say goes off without a hitch, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And why is it important to kill Lloyd and Harry separately? Because together they seem to bumble their way out of situations, but on their own, they're more vulnerable. Divide and conquer. Yeah. Mm. I'm just not sure about this second ransom. I feel like if Mary (laughs) had the money to pay another ransom without being prompted, she would just suggest it. She'd be like, oh my God, the briefcase has gone missing. I better pay them a ransom again. Yeah. I suppose it never comes up, does it? No. Weird. <laughs> Maybe beneath her genteel exterior, she's made of pure steel. And she, yeah. she thinks they're not getting another ransom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she wants to move on with her life and date people like Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots of wonderful imagery in there. Who um who decapitates Harry? No one decapitates Harry. I thought Lloyd. Was it Lloyd? Who decapitates Lloyd. Oh, Shay does that. She's got the knife under her wing. Man, you ever thought about what it'd be like to decapitate someone with a knife? No. Take a while, I would imagine. Chop, 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 chop. She hasn't got a lot going on. She's also resigned herself to losing the deposit on the on the parakeet costume. Don't take it back stained with blood. Sorry. No. It's cranberry juice, cranapple. My badness. Some truly diabolical schemes there. (laughs) Now it's time to vote for our favourite. As a reminder, we had Gaz's Goon Show, Cinemaster's Goons on Spec, Countertacular's Legit Business Venture, and Ben's Divide and Conquer. Remember, each vote is worth exactly one point for the leaderboard. No more. Come on, guys, you know it by now. But no certainly, less. no less. No less. less. Good. <laughs> I got a bonus uh, name drop this week. There. I, th- I thought you were going to say, yeah, I got a boner. <laughs> I got a bonus countacular. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not owed anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've I got it written do. on here as countacular. Whoops. Craig. You piece of shit. Yeah, I'm so sorry. So sorry, <laughs> Cinemaster. Gaz, tell us, who have you voted for? Well, due to the close proximity to my own plan, of course, I have voted for the Cinemaster. 
Okay. Cinemaster, who have you voted for? I have voted for Craig. Oh. And Craig, who have you voted for? I thought they were all pretty shoddy, so I just went for the one that made me laugh the most. Which was Gaz. (laughs) And because I can't vote for myself, I voted for Gaz. I thought it was delivered very beautifully. (laughs) Made me laugh. (laughs) All right. So, Gaz, tell us, what does that do to the Diabolical Leaderboard? Well, now, in first place with four points, we have Craig. Ooh. In second place with three points is me. In third place with one point is the Cinemaster. And languishing with zero points is Ben. (laughs) Uh, Your wife's going to have a word. You need to step it up next week. She won't be happy. She will not be happy. (laughs) And speaking of next week, Craig is next week's host. Tell us what mm. film you're insisting we watch. Well, I'm drawing a complete blank, which is to say we'll be watching the excellent comedy Gross Point Blank. Ooh. Very nice. I don't think I've ever seen this film. I think you're going to love it. I think it's, it's probably been at least two decades since I've seen it. No, just under two decades, let's say. Well, that's it for another episode. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform of choice so you never miss an episode. And why not leave us a cheeky little review telling us how wonderful we are. Beelzebub knows my confidence could do with the boost. I was searching the internet the other day and came across a website. It was full of knockers. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. For more nonsense throughout the week, follow us on all the social medias at DiabolicalPod. Join us next time when we'll be dissecting Gross Point Blank. And as always, Mark. Ing. Wait. Yeah. yeah. Bird. Ing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bird. See. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try that one more time. Mark. Yeah. Ing. Yeah. Bird. Yeah. 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 Mockingbird, don't everybody have you heard? Have you heard? She's gonna buy me a mockingbird. mockingbird. And if that mockingbird don't sing, she's gonna buy me a diamond ring. ring. And if that diamond ring don't shine, I'm gonna put you on the washing line. I think she's gonna buy me a silver dime, but they don't get that far, do they? No. Mark C. Ing C. What we should really sing is. Boom shakalak! Come on, guys. Wine your body. Wiggle your belly. One um go up, one um go down. Shakalaka rockin' style around. Style around. I don't know why any poop. I do the slimy poop. I do the boom chakalaka. I do the dance a group. <laughs>